We are in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. We are starting chapter 7. It gets really heated. Chapter 7. I guess chapter 5 and 6 are also fairly awesome and heated as well. And in this passage this morning, you're going to see two, the sandwich of, of verses. The first one is one of the most often quoted by many outside of the church, uh, and, and often rightly so, sometimes misunderstood. The last verse, verse 6, is very confusing and is considered one of maybe Jesus' more difficult sayings. So, we have that to look forward to this morning. You would now stand once again as we read the Word of God. <clears throat> it's also printed in your bulletin or your scriptures. Matthew 7. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you seek the speck why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we are needy. As you, Jesus, have spoken in your word and your spirit is present to apply and to illuminate to our hearts and our eyes, I would ask for my own heart to be softened, for all of our hearts to be softened. Lord, if for those of us, maybe many of us here who are just very uh, opposed to you for some reason right now, or those that are even not believers, I would pray your Spirit would open our eyes to see the beauty of your Gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. I remember uh, beginning a discipleship program years ago and really being excited about this program because without realizing what I had planned, I assumed I'd become a better Bible reader, more disciplined. I had certain expectations, but I remember the first few meetings, he kept talking about loving our brother. And it just began to annoy me. I mean, because I kind of just didn't think that was a big deal, and I felt the conviction of the Spirit that that really is a big thing. And when we come to this passage, I mean, over and over in the Scripture, but Jesus is saying, you want to test and see what you know about the gospel, about Jesus, about the Bible. Really, you can the best way to test that is how do you approach your brother, your sister in Christ? How do you view other people? Right? Are you judgmental? It's something that I think many of us are guilty of in many ways. It's very uh, condemning, very difficult because I feel guilty of this. So let's tread into this passage. And we're going to look at two broad points, the three areas what they are, and what's the one problem. And then we'll look at the cure. So, the three areas in this passage that Jesus gives. Um, the first one is judging, right? He says right off the bat, judge not that you be not judged. How many of you have heard that just thrown out? You know, you're talking to somebody or you're hearing a debate and someone just says, you're not allowed to judge, right? What's going on? What, what is Jesus saying is allowed and is not allowed? The, the biggest uh, point here is Jesus is saying 
you're not to look at somebody and, and define them. That is what judging really is, right? Other words, condemning, pronouncing, right? We, we do this, for example, if someone tells a lie. Instead of saying, you told a lie, what do we say? You're a liar, right? You are now labeled as a liar. Oftentimes, if you're in an argument, you feel that, right? You do this all the time, or this happens, and you feel labeled. And that is really where Jesus is going with this, in, in the sense of judging, of labeling. And of course, the extreme measure of that would be to tell someone, or at least in your mind, think, this person is outside of the kingdom, right? This person is not a Christian. I know their heart. That would be the extreme method of judging. But ultimately, it's a spirit of condemnation. It's a spirit of, of, of um, criticizing other people, but more than likely, labeling them. Does that make sense? So it's, it's more than just, you did this thing. But let me be clear. We have to be critical about things, right? I mean, if someone steals, you have to say, you just robbed this person. You just took this item. We, we have to do that, right? If someone's saying evil things, we have to say, that was an evil statement or whatever. We don't ignore those things. That's not judgmental. What's judgmental is when we then cast that person out. How does this happen? I think we read this and think, for the most part, we're safe. Right? I don't really do that. Do you judge people? Do you, who do you look down upon? Okay. Here's where I think it plays into this group. Jesus is talking to disciples here. He is talking to a group of people like this group who would say, we are disciples. Right? Some of you might not be Christians, but everybody in this room at least understands what Christianity is and has some idea about the Bible and Jesus. And, and we're all in some form in that process. And, and we're in this room, and Jesus' disciples were the same. And he's talking to them, and he's saying, do not judge. Right? So how are we judging? How do we do that? I would think one of the ways we judge in our current... Well, I don't, I've never heard anyone walk up to me and say, Ryan... I don't think so-and-so's not a Christian. I just know it for a fact. Let's just quit talking to that person. I haven't heard that extreme. But sometimes we judge, I think, by simply cutting people off. Have you done that? Has that been done to you? Right? What does that mean when you just lop someone off and you have no fellowship with them anymore? Even if you're in the same room or in the same job or the same family. So I think we can judge in many ways, but it's this ultimate pronouncement of condemnation. Let's go a little bit deeper and get more painful. Criticism. Okay, that's the next part. He says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your eye? So this is not so much final judgment as it is criticism. Right? We can be very critical people. Listen to what John Stott says. The censorious critic, that's his word for it. I love theologians. The censorious critic, right? That's an easy way to say it is a fault finder who is negative and destructive towards other people and enjoys actively seeking out their failings. He puts the worst possible construction on their motives, pours cold water on their schemes, and is ungenerous toward their mistakes. Wow, that's pretty extreme. Like when I read that quote, it doesn't it defines what Jesus is talking about. But again, I don't know that most of us are all the way there. But I do think, again, he's assuming that all of us on some level are tempted to be critical, right? And tempted to be nitpicky. 
Now, let me be clear about criticism. I think criticism is actually important. Um, when I was in seminary, one of the most eye-opening moments was when we, I learned about something called exegetical questions, right? Ways of studying the passage. You have to just ask questions. You're not criticizing it, but you're using critical capacities, right? You're thinking, maybe this could mean this, maybe this could mean that, right? You have to. That's part of being creative as well. If you ever studied the creative process, you have to be critical, right? Could there be a better mousetrap? You know, that's okay to ask. Well, you're being critical. Leave it alone. Well, maybe there's a better one. I know the mice don't appreciate that, but it is good to be critical in healthy ways. It's just not good when we do what Stott is defining, of course, what Jesus is talking about, going after the person, right? Going after their source and going after their, their spec. We're going to talk about the deeper problem in a minute. I want to hit the third area first. And this is the probably the hardest to grasp. I've, um, I've looked at this passage in the past. I've, I've looked at the commentaries. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs. So the first one is don't judge. The second one is don't be critical. But what is this? Is this a third thing? Is this a new thing? Right? Some have said this is where Jesus is now talking, swinging the pendulum. Now he's saying there are times, some have said this, there are times when you can finally say, aha, this person isn't a Christian. And then you can begin to, to acknowledge that. But most modern commentators are saying that doesn't jive with Jesus. And I would agree. When Jesus refers to anything like swine and pigs, he's sort of borrowing the language of the Pharisees who are talking about Gentiles, right? Remember his conversation with the Syrophoenician woman who they have a debate about dogs. And he said that even the dogs feed, even the master feeds the dogs below the table from the scraps. Right? And Jesus turns over the money lenders' tables where? In the court of the Gentiles. It seems strange that all of a sudden he would be saying that. I think what he is doing is he's exposing another form of criticism that we have. And that is, we think we'll give these pearls to the swine. We will... We will help this person. We will give them the help they need to kind of launch them on their way. Think about James in, in chapter 2 when he says, If a brother or sister is poorly, poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? And what James is getting at is we can often say nice things to feel good about ourselves, but we're not really getting messy. Think about it, if you own, we just bought a beta fish, our first pet since we've been married, the second pet, first one was a goldfish, we learned to go beta, um, and you have to feed that little fish, right, and it's like the biggest thing, it's like, okay, it's been how many days, we don't want to overfeed it, you don't want to underfeed it, we don't want to have, she's not in here, we don't want to have Bonnie have the experience that Coleman had, where he goes in to feed the fish and the fish isn't swimming anymore, so we're trying our best to be very careful, well, if you own pigs, right, or you have dogs, and even these dogs aren't wild in this day, they're, they're, they're domesticated to the sense that they will come eat your food, you would never go to the, get the good china out or the good pearls and feed them. That would be horrible, right? You're really just doing what you think is good for you. I gave them pearls. I don't know why they didn't like it, right? And so we're going to talk more about that. You may be questioning that, but here's the, the heart of the matter. All three of these things have you and myself at the center. 
whether we're judging or doing its counterparts of criticizing or even just getting false tidbits, not really trying to help. All, all of those things are focused on us. Jesus has this way about him. He has been doing, talking about the word hypocrisy since chapter 6 began. Remember when Jesus begins by saying, when you pray, or he says, when you give, do not be like the hypocrites. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. And when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is a person who wears a mask. Right? That's where the word comes from, from the Greek, from the theater. It's, it's someone who's hiding. And we do this so well. We hide behind our masks. And what's so amazing is in this passage, he doesn't say, don't be hypocritical. Look at his language in verse 5. For the first time since he starts the sermon, he really gets very poignant with this word. He says, you hypocrite. How does that sit with you? Is he talking to Judas? The rest of the guys are like, who are you talking to? Or is he talking to you and me? Do you believe you're a hypocrite? And I would say, until you accept the fact that your default and my default is to wear a mask and hide behind criticism and judgmentalness and even false platitudes, we are going to be a very hypocritical people. Have you embraced the fact that you are a hypocrite? Wow. Are you encouraged? Should we close it right there in prayer? Let's look at verse uh, five or four and five a little bit closer. The, well, the one problem, hypocrisy. Actually, I want to start with judging. The one problem is hypocrisy, and it plays out in judging. So when Jesus says, do not judge, lest you be judged, okay, that is scary. So what we're doing now is we're working through those three things, understanding the concept of hypocrisy. That's scary because when Jesus does that, we all of a sudden have this gut check. Are we now believing in salvation by works? It happened back um, after the Lord's Prayer. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive, he won't forgive. Wow. Quid pro quo. Chapter 7. Judge not, lest you be judged. Right. In other words, if you want it, you have to do it first. That's what we hear. Right. I'm not saying that's correct. I'm saying... If we're not careful, our flesh begins to convince us, aha, Jesus wants us to perform. That's not what he's doing at all. He is the master at exposing your heart. Right? Love your neighbor, how? As yourself. I love myself, right? Now I know how to love my neighbor. Ah, it's hard to do. It exposes me, right? So he's the master at that. I have never heard anybody say to me, maybe you've heard this, I really like that verse because I am not judged. You cannot judge me. I am so far removed from being judged that I, I welcome Jesus to come judge me all the way through. And therefore, I'm a judgmental person because I can't be... No one does that. We all know instinctively what? I don't want to be judged by these standards. It exposes our heart. And he rolls right into the next thought. He doesn't say, some of you, does he? Some of you are critical. Now, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye and not notice the log, the plank, other versions say, that is in your eye? What is the reason? 
And this is a, a wonderful, he's continuing to say hypocrisy works like this. It makes you wrongly judge people. And now what hypocrisy does is it makes you wrongly focus on a part of a person. I mean, I was thinking about it this week and I thought, here's an area where I tend to pride myself. And some of you may not have this experience with me, I apologize. I, I tend to be a Nazi about time. Right? I want to be on time really badly. Like, that's my thing. To where I probably start getting anxious if we're getting with any window of when I'm supposed to be somewhere. I start to get nervous. I'm anxious. I want to be on time. Conversely, guess who I'm critical of? The people who are late. Right? So you could say, well, how does that, how would that have anything to do with this? If the spec, they're late, where is my plank? Right? I'm on time. I have no faults. Because if you ask a timely person when they're being hypocritical, why do you like to be on time? What's the answer? To be polite. How many of you have ever thrown a party and liked the dude that shows up five minutes early? It's like, no, ten minutes late. We have a few more things we want to do. So is it really for them? Am I really trying to be helpful? Or is my own security wrapped up in this one thing I can control? I can be on time. I don't have to put makeup on. I don't have long, beautiful hair. Usually I don't have kids until I can get there on time. That's my social thing. So I cling to it because it's my one way of wearing a mask and gaining approval. It's not my only way. We all have millions of ways. But it's a primary way. But because I've chosen that legally to be my thing, then when you are a little late, I'm angry about it. It's the same sin pattern. I'm looking at you thinking if I were in your shoes, the world would have had to have ended for me to be five minutes late. And so the point is, in my sin, the thing that I have that looks good is actually a plank. Right? And it's what's causing criticism. And what you find Jesus doing is he's giving you a diagnostic tool. What are you the most critical about? What bothers you about other people? You know what really gets me? What is that thing? then use that to go back to yourself. Where am I being hypocritical? Where am I having this point? I have really good news for every one of you. You can't see it right now, but I can see huge planks just sticking out. I'm kidding. We all have planks. right? I titled the sermon, What Color Is Your... You know, Not your parachute. What color is your plank? Every one of us has a unique area, and probably several, that we completely are blinded to. Right? Why are we blinded? Because it's sticking out of your eyeball. And so Jesus is saying, okay, here's how you're going to figure it out. What are you critical about? And when you see that criticism, I'm a critical person, it begins to show where that plank is. But why are we so bothered by it? Why does it bother us so bad? Why do we put the mask on with the, cl- with the plank application so it snaps around the plank? Why do we wear that hypocritical mask? Why do we do that? Because it is painful to admit we need Jesus. We think, I did that in 1988 or whatever year, or last month, whenever it was. That was hard, right? It's a lot easier to say I was like addicted to this horrible thing and I had like long hair and I toured with, you know, whatever. That's what I used to do. It's very hard to say, yesterday, dressed just like this, I was a jerk. That's hard. It's hard to say that, right? It's very hard to say, just yesterday, I committed as much sin as is necessary 
to spend eternity in hell. And I'm a Christian. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Because of the blood of Christ, I won't. But nonetheless, my flesh does that. So what do I do? Out of shame, I start concocting the hypocrisy mask and I become unaware of the plank in my own life. So how does that blend in in with this last verse? Verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs. Maybe this interpretation, maybe it's hard, maybe you aren't following it, maybe you disagree. But let me just again paint this picture. How would you care for a pig if you were holy? You wouldn't want to have anything to do with the pig. Right? Only a hypocrite would feel that way. But if you loved a pig, what would you do? You would get into the slop like the prodigal. And you would feed the husks. You would never feed it things that were useless. You would never take things that would harm that, that pig and feed it to them. Jesus is looking at the feeder. It's so easy to read this, and he's probably catching us. Another way of getting you. Oh, so who are the dogs and the swine? That's what, he, that's what our tendency is to do. Who are those people? Who are you? What are you feeding the people who are needy? When someone is in need, are we just simply giving them things that make us feel better? Here's a few dollars. Be well fed. Be warm. Right? Also, if we're quick to say, aha, great, I have a verse that, that helps me to deal with those pigs and dogs in my life. Be very careful. You just began to judge them. Right? So what do you do? Well, what does Jesus do? In Psalm 22, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why has thou... Excuse me, on the cross, Jesus quotes Psalm 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And later in that psalm, and you know he has the whole thing memorized, right? And he feasts on it. The bulls have turned against me and they eat me. The dogs are after me and devour me. Jesus is well aware that you and I would devour him. Have you put yourself in that place? Do you recognize when you think about your faith that you were the pig? That you were the dog. That Jesus got into the sty and He didn't hand you pearls that you couldn't use. But He actually died for you. He actually became, according to Scripture, a pig so that you could be made human. He redeemed you. He rescued you. He took us out of the sty. Right? Changed our name. Gave us a new identity. Is that what the Gospel means to you? Until it does mean that, or to the degree that it doesn't, we are hypocritical. We are critical of others. We are trying to act like we're helping and we're not helping. So how willing are we to admit our brokenness? So again, what color is your plank? I had this illustration that came a long time ago. I don't think it's that amazing, but I'm going to tell it. I made this thing up. You can critique it and rewrite it and send it back to me in the form of an email. But imagine there's this machine like an, I don't want to, like an MRI maybe or something. And you get in it and you go in and it's brand new and you get a print out. And when you come out of this machine, it's going to tell you of all the possible and probable ailments you'll ever have. Right? You know, there's always down the radio, like, go in and find out if your heart going to have a heart attack next month or you know, you, 
Part of you wants to, right? But part of you is like, I don't know. How many of you would want to go in that machine? The printout's going to give you all of these, based on your chromosome structure, when you're 42, you're bald or whatever. Uh, that's my future. That, is that what you want? All the elements to be printed out. Well, I think if you also heard the second part, once you get that printout, there is a pill that you take, and it will cure every disease you will ever have. All of a sudden, but it will only cure the ones on that list. You really want that machine to catch everything. You get this one pill, right? And you're going to take this one pill, and it's going to cure the diseases on the list. You hope it caught everything. Does that make sense? Is that how you're facing Christ in your sanctification? Are you saying, Jesus, I don't want to just um, pray and talk about when I was converted. There is this real problem right now that I'm ignoring. There's this real plank right now. And I can only see the edge of it. Will you reveal my heart? Will you show me the depths of my sin? Because only when we can see that and expose it will that sanctification begin to happen. If you're a Christian, you're saved. We're not talking about that. We're talking about growing in Christ. And this is how growth happens. By praying that the Holy Spirit will expose these areas of planks and, and, and just blind spots. And the beauty is, He will also heal you. But we have to trust in Him. So the way we grow, as we say, is not just by adding on more masks and techniques and things. We grow by going down on our knees before the Lord in repentance and in faith. So, cheer up. You have a lot of planks sticking out of your eyeballs. Just be careful when you turn your head like this, please. The good news is Jesus has come to remove those planks.